heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, folks. You know what? Like I would say this whole twas the night before because it is. This is the night before football season. But you know what? It is the damn night before football season. This is episode 106 of YWC Football Talk. And the man with me, none other than Pat Pulpits.com's own end contributor to my 100th episode because I'm still riding that high, Keegan Stiefel. How are we doing tonight, man? How are you feeling right now? I'm excited. Real football, I think 24, 23 hours, 58 minutes away. Um, really, really excited to finally watch actual football that matters between two pretty good teams. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, that's the, that's the whole thing. Like, with so many football games, and this is the more I realized, too, with, like, ever since I started this pod, like, I will – literally watch a random game like I remember last year I remember tuning into Pittsburgh Cincinnati being like oh this game's gonna suck and then the Bengals ended up upsetting them and it's just it's that I missed it's the feeling of any given Sunday I even do this because I was like talking to my I I know this sounds weird but I was talking to myself in the car on the ride home today and because they were talking because I was listening to Toronto Sports Radio and they're talking about just stressing throughout watching games and stuff as GMs because uh, Alex Anthopoulos the now Braves but former Jays GM was on and he was saying how sometimes he can't look and I was during the playoffs and I'm just like Football is the only sport I think where you experience sports anxiety when you're not at the game. Like you could be at home watching right. it because every game matters, and that's just it's those nervous, emotional roller coaster feelings that I have missed for eight months. Yeah, and football too, and the the scheme of kind of just the way the sport is played during a game, whether you care about the team or not, you can you can ride the high. Like we saw it. I'm a, I'm a big college football fan, but we saw it last weekend with Mackenzie Milton. He'd been out for three years with that devastating leg injury. And he comes back in the middle of the game and, and makes it a game with the number nine team in the country, I think, uh, in Notre Dame. So stuff like that. Like, there's nothing better than football with the, the in-game stories and the tradition and all that stuff. Uh, it's, it's the greatest sport in the world, no doubt. Oh, 100%. Like, even, too, like, I know college, you get the great stories like that. But the NFL, you can get, like, these any given Sundays where you just have like an upset you did not expect to see. You have fantasy to add to it. You have betting now, which is a, big, a very big aspect of the game, which I still love the fact that like five years ago, this is a door that the NFL would not open up. And now they're just like kicking it down, being like, hey, this will make us money. Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, let's include it. Like, it's just like every good feeling. Like, I literally am going to sit on my couch outside of my room on Sunday afternoon and hear seven hours of commercial free football. And that's just going to release like serotonin in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's best words in sports. Seven hours of, of ad-free football or whatever, commercial-free yeah. football. It's um, very exciting. Very exciting indeed. Yeah, it just sucks that we don't start till 425. But obviously, you know what? I, I kind of don't mind it because then like you like one o'clock because it's like it gets it out of the way. But at the same time, you get to build that like ant- anticipation for Sunday. And um, I just want to start with, obviously, you and I both Pats fans. I just want to start there. Um I wanted to ask you first off, what did you think of all the guys who were named captains today? For those of you who missed it, it was David Andrews, Devin McCourty, Matthew Slater, Dante Hightower, and James White. Yeah, I think they were all kind of chalk picks, which there's no problem with that. But 
I don't think there were any surprises. You know, all of them had been captains before. I think Slater and McCourty are going on, a, or this is their 11th straight season. Um, Andrews just got his fifth, I believe, and then White and Hightower with their fourth. So just guys who have been captains before, um, team leaders, they've been in the system. All of them have been in the system for five, six, seven years. Um, so I, I, think, I think it's a good choice with a rookie quarterback and a lot of newcomers. Your captains are going to be the guys who have been there forever. And uh, all four of them are great choices, I think. Yeah, you know what? It's just guys that are those character glue guys in the locker room. Like, I remember the other day I was seeing on – I think it was Pat's Buzz on Twitter posted a Devin McCourty just speech video basically telling – this is from a few years ago. He's saying like how you weren't supposed to be here. You were traded. You were traded. You were this. And it's just, like, those guys who keep it together. Like, I still say this, that Matthew Slater, one of the most underrated members of this roster, like – as for as much as it matters of your on-field play, it's what happens in the locker room a lot of the times I feel like translates to what goes on the field. And I feel like all five of these guys represent all aspects of leadership, character, and accountability, which is, I think, three key attributes what Bill Belichick looks for in players and captains. And ca- oh, tongue twister. And captains. Yeah, I think – and they all kind of had different routes to get where they're at. Like, Dante Hightower, first-round pick, Devin McCourty, first-round pick, they came in day one and they were – expected to be team leaders for a long time and they did end up doing that Matthew Slater came in as a late round pick but immediately garnered the respect of his teammates year two in the system as a special teamer he took over the the all year celebration in the locker room from Teddy Bruschi which is like a big thing in New England yeah and and did it year two like imagine a guy like Josh Uche just them handing the reins to him it's kind of a situation like that and then Andrews came in as an undrafted free agent. James White was a fourth round pick who didn't play practically ever in his rookie year. And they both carved out roles for themselves and became contributors. So you've got a mix of different guys who had gotten to the point that they're at in different ways, but they're all at the same point where they're team leaders. They have been for a long time and they'll continue to be as long as they're in New England. You know, exactly. Cause that's one of those things. It's like I said, their leaders are guys that are going to, grab all the young guys together like I said this so many times last year that how much I missed Dante Hightower on the field and you clearly saw it now you get him back he's gonna be that middle linebacker he's gonna be that defensive mic where he's a signal caller it's just the whole like everything's coming together and even too from the preseason you already look and see this ain't the 2020 New England Patriots because that's why I still have faith in this team not still this is why I always have faith is because look if Belichick took what was last year and my false sense of hope into seven and nine, I'm still saying that, that I think this team is going to win at worst case scenario, nine games this year. Yeah. I said, uh, we did record predictions in a show that I was just on. I said 11 and six, and I think that's attainable even with a rookie cornerback and a lot of newcomers and a lot of uncertainty at, at specific spots like corner with, with no Stefan Gilmore for six weeks, stuff like that. I just, with the coaching staff and the leadership that you have and the return of guys like Dante Hightower and Devin McCourty coming back and a bunch of second year players who we expect to make a jump. Um, I think talent wise, they're leaps and bounds ahead of where they were last year, but the coaching and the leadership, they've, they've gotten a bump on that too. Yeah, exactly. Cause even to um, one thing I'd like to see from this team and one player who had a great first year, but I still expect to be good in his second year, even though he's kicking it, I believe from left guard to right tackle is Michael Owenu. I just find it hilarious. So I think I was, uh, I saw on account base. So Patriots losses in from 2020 was Joe Tooney and Owenu because they had the, the left side of the line. Now on the right side, it's Owenu and Trent. It's just one of those things where it's just like, 
I can't see, like, I know some people still like to make fun of it too and say like, oh, but our wide receivers are this and this. I'm just like, and by the way, when I, I, I just take a sigh of relief, being like, like, I feel good. But when I said worst case, I mean like, look, something has to go wrong, knock on wood. But I, I, I'm with you. I think this team 10 and 7, 11 and 6 is ideal. But I'm not going on this boat of Stephen A. Smith saying we're winning the division or we're a, we're a Super Bowl threat or even Darren. Like the one phrase I'll take is Orlowski calling us a five, uh, top five offense in the league. But we'll, we'll see. The only thing I'll say is, though, because I know I don't know how much of a cam guy you are. I know we call the last episode you were on impeccable and sensational after a mini camp quote he gave. But I just feel like with – Mac Jones is quarterback now. Josh can run a similar offense to what he ran with Tom for all those years. Yeah, I I was a, a big supporter of Cam the person, and I thought he got a he got handed a really bad deal. You know, like he came into a situation where he was replacing Tom Brady, which is automatically no one's gonna appreciate what you do on the field and he was put in an offense with no talent around him right and yeah the COVID stuff like we, we've talked it into the ground he he got a raw deal in New England and uh it ended poorly for him which sucks he ended up getting cut but I always appreciated him for what he was and he was the scapegoat at quarterback like whoever it was going to be whether it was him or Aaron Rodgers or whoever coming in after Tom Brady like they were never going to live up to expectations. So he was their scapegoat, which sucks, but, um, you know, best of luck to him. And then, but like you said, with Mac Jones coming in much more similar quarterback to, to Brady in terms of their style of play, Patriots are going to be able to get to a familiar offensive scheme and they're going to do things the way that they're used to doing them, which can only serve to help them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cause like, and even, uh, what was I going to say? Um, like just the whole thing with two with Mac, because I feel like at the same time too, I was very critical of him going into the draft just because I always have this impression of, and you know this too, because you're a big college guy, that the Alabama quarterbacks don't usually transition well to the NFL. Now, obviously we have three starting right now, but if you look at the track record from like the Nick Saban era, basically, you don't see a whole lot of success there. Like obviously guys like AJ McCarron, Greg McElroy, even Jay Coker. I know that's a very obscure name at quarterback, but he did win a national championship with them. Like none of those guys really were proven NFL starters. I feel like the fact that Max going into a very similar system, what he's already used to at Alabama, a very also we're still calling it a winning culture. As long as Belichick is here, it's a winning culture. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to be a more better transition, and he's going to prove me wrong because I remember at one point too. I called his ceiling uh, Washington Kirk Cousins. I'm saying this now that he's not just because he's on my team, but you know what? He is going to be better than what I thought he was going to be. I have a lot of faith and confidence in him. And, but will there probably be growing pains this year? Absolutely. But I feel like at the same time, too, he'll learn from them very quickly. Yeah. In terms of the Alabama quarterbacks thing, like the offense that they run now compared to what they're running with Coker and Blake Sims and guys like that, completely different. You know, yeah. Lane Kiffin came in and I think it was 2017 and completely turned that philosophy around and built them into an offensive juggernaut. Since Since – Kiffin went to Alabama. They've become a quarterback factory, a wide receiver factory, running back factory, offensive line effect. Like it, all of the talent in the country goes to Alabama to, on offense. When it used to be, they won off defense. They won a national championship like 13 to 10, you know, but now it's a high powered offense. So I don't really, I don't agree with the, the idea that you can lump 
just because the guy went to the same school as somebody else, you can lump them in together. Things change. Just because Nick Saban's the head coach doesn't mean that the offense is the same, right? So um, the, the offense that Mac Jones comes from is very similar to a Josh McDaniel style where he kind of has free reign over the offense in New England system where Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, they had free reign over Alabama offense. So in terms of that, I think he's in a very different situation than any other Alabama quarterbacks. And coming out of the draft, I had him as my fifth quarterback just because I thought whatever system he ends up in isn't going to fit what he does best because that's the NFL skewing away from that. The NFL is skewing towards athletic quarterbacks, guys who can run RPO stuff, options. They could take the ball and they could they can make something happen with it, which that's not Mac Jones. That's never going to be Mac Jones. But he ended up in the system in the NFL where he can do what he did in college. So, um, and that's the big thing with college quarterbacks. It doesn't matter what you, where you have them ranked or anything like that. It matters what situation they end up in and how they're going to be used. And I think he's going to be used to the best of his ability, which is all you can really ask for. If you're a fan of a team is having your team use your quarterback correctly. And I think the Patriots will do that. No, 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 100%. I just said the whole thing from before about the Alabama quarterback thing, just because I know, like how I say, I feel like a lot of them go to systems where it's not a very, not a very pro style, but there's not a lot of tools in place for them to succeed. Meanwhile, we're going to have the tools in place for them to succeed. And I only said the growing pains thing, because not every rookie comes into the NFL and lights it up immediately. Like some do, but at the same time too, like for everybody saying, oh, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes sat his entire first season. So I'm just out here to say like, Look, it's it's it may happen, but at the same time, too, I feel like he's gonna he's gonna have the benefit of the doubt. And at the same time, too, we all know that look, Bill Belichick will scold him on simple mistakes. It's like I've said before, and I say this again, read the book because uh Bill Belichick, he won't call you out in front of the media. No, 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 he'll call you out in front of your face in front of the whole team and just embarrass you. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't saying I disagreed with you. I just disagree with the whole concept of comparing college players to other people who are in their pro because nothing stays the same. Right. Um, that's just, that, that was like a diatribe off on my own. But um, in terms of him and the system, like I, I agree with you that he's going to come in, he's going to be held accountable for whatever he does, but he's also going to be given, given all of the tools that he needs to succeed in terms of preparation, game plan, all that, all that good stuff, you know? So I do believe um probably in him a little bit more than I did coming into the draft just because of the situation he's in. Cause I'll tell you if, if Mac Jones ended up in Washington with the Washington football team, I would not be high on him at all, no matter if the same reports were coming out or what, but being able to correlate the system and the player um, I'm a little bit more optimistic. I'm still cautiously optimistic. Things can go wrong and they can go wrong quickly, but I'm a little bit more optimistic in him as a player than I was, say, four or five months ago. Oh, I'm, I'm the exact same. And I like the fact that you cleared the air on that because I felt like when you kind of said that, I was kind of like, oh, we're going to disagree. And I wasn't going to like argue or anything. I'm just kind of glad, like, look, we cleared the air up on that. I love that. But no, I do agree with you where I remember draft night, you had the viral meme within the Pats Twitter community. I felt the same way as soon as Chicago moved up. I'm like, when we got past Carolina and Denver, I'm like, okay, we're good. We're good. We're going to get fields. But then Chicago moves up. I'm like, I, I just had like a pit of my stomach, bad feeling like this is not going to end well. And then Matt came to us and I was just like, I was Raleigh speaking as like Jameen Davis and like others were being drafted where I was just like, 
I don't know how to feel. We'll see how this goes. But then, you know, the more and more I think about it, I'm not going to bash someone who's on my own team before I see them play. No, it's like, obviously last year, a lot of people were excited to see Cam play, but then, you know, what? once it kind of went south, you kind of have the right to it. I just, I'm never going to be that person where I'm going to immediately shit on someone. I'm going to have to wait and see a full analysis of him. Yeah. I like, I said it on draft night, as soon as we got the news that Chicago had traded up, I said, I'm broken. Like, cause I just, I I'm not, I don't call myself a fan of teams. I don't call myself a fan of, you know, anything specific other than I love football. I love the NFL, but I'm a fan of Justin Fields. Like I'm a fan of the way that guy plays football. And I really wanted to be able to kind of watch him every week and cover him and write about him and stuff like that. And I was so upset when, when Chicago drafted him because they got a good one. I'm convinced he's going to be a very, very good player for a long time. So that's, that's where that came from. I was so upset I wasn't going to be able to see my guy, you know, and then you end up getting Mac Jones, who I had rated as my fifth quarterback. Now looking back on it, I think he's probably in the third best situation out of any of the, play, uh, any of the quarterbacks taken. Um, but you've got a guy who you rated fifth coming into a system where you already didn't have a great quarterback and you were like, oh, geez, here's another seven and nine season, seven and ten, whatever it was going to be. But uh, like, like we said, as, as we moved along, as we've seen him play, I've gotten to see him, excuse me, uh, practice live and in person. I've seen him play in games and watching him command the offense was very similar to the way a Tom Brady did. Not, not the, the physical talent or the skills or anything like that, but the way they ran the offense was similar. And that makes me believe that the Patriots are going to be more comfortable with him than they were with Newton, which is always a good sign. Oh, no, 100%. And, like, I was the same as you, though, where I'm not broken in the sense of cover. Obviously, I don't cover the team like you do. But I was just more or less, like, looking forward just because he was an exciting quarterback. He's had these, like, great years. You saw he was a proven leader on on how he got the Big Ten to play last year throughout the pandemic when they canceled the season in mid-August. And then with Mac, you were always kind of like, okay, look, he was glorified because if you saw what he had around him, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, Mechie. Najee Harris, that amazing O-line, which I still say now, you said it earlier, they're an O-line factory up there probably with all, uh, uh, like most Big Ten schools, to be honest, like Iowa, right. Michigan, Wisconsin, especially those in the heart of like, in the heart of the Midwest. Those like, what I like to yep. say, those like big, this can sound weird, but those big, beefy Midwestern boys. Like you look at, or even Notre Dame's in there too. Fed. Yeah, the corn-fed, corn-fed Midwestern Wisconsin Badger O-line, O-line. Yep. perfect example, Ryan Ramchick. Um, who we'll see in a couple of weeks. Oh, I just, oh, I'm sorry. I have to go off tangent. Cause that just felt so good to say where it's just like all these games where we saw like months ago and now it's just like, Oh, that's in a couple of weeks. And you're like, Oh, that's like, feels good. Like warm yeah. soul. And- I know. Uh, I know you'll appreciate this, but I tweeted out a video when Patriots drafted Mike on Wenu or what's it on Wenu? It, it was something that had to do with Mike on Wenu and it was uh biggie who's, who's a wrestler. Some of yeah. you may know that some of you may not. And he had a clip that I found on Twitter where he said, uh, big meaty men slapping meat. Like that's, <laughs> that's what it is. He's just a big meaty boy. And he just hits people with his body, which is awesome. That's, that's my kind of football. That's why I love the big 10. That's why I follow Ohio state because they're the Kings of the big 10, but big meaty men slapping meat. That's, that's football to me, which I love. Quick question for you though. Just, uh, Ohio state, do they take care of business Saturday against the ducks? Absolutely. They're going to blow their doors off. They're going to kill him. I think Oregon is the most overrated team in the country. Their quarterback's terrible. From one of my buddy who told me this stands for the amount of national championships. It's not a no, it's a zero. 
Correct. Um, I, I said to ask you because I felt like because I saw it's at 14 and a half right now that or, uh, spread. And I'm like, I'm tempted to take Ohio State, but I'm tempted to take Oregon. But at the same time, too, I feel like feel like Ohio State's going to show up big time. Yeah, Oregon's quarterback is very – I don't want to trash the kid because he's my age, but I don't want to trash him. I just – I don't see it. He, he couldn't start at Boston College. What makes you think he's going to be a good starter at Oregon? You know, it doesn't work. Fair, 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 fair enough. Um, just, just had to ask, look, you've mentioned it. And like at the same time too, you and I are going to swoon over Chris Olave until his name is called by their team. And you know what? We can be broken together next April. Yeah. Ohio. So since I, I've, I grew up a Patriots fan. Everybody knows this, um, who follows me on Twitter. I I'm from the new England area, went to Texas, fell in love with them even more because everybody was Cowboys fans and they're the worst people on the planet. But, um, I, I was a huge Patriots fan growing up. And then when I decided to get into sports journalism and go to school for it, I kind of fell off of my fandom. So I, but you, you still need somebody to root for right? Like you can't yeah. just watch stuff without rooting. So I, I decided since I'm an Ohio state fan, I'm just going to root for my Ohio state guys, whatever team they're on, whoever they're playing for, like Jerome Baker this weekend is going to be playing for the dolphins. I can't wait to watch him play. I, I love watching my Ohio state guys, but Chris Olave, Justin Fields, and Drew Chrisman, who was their punter last year, wherever they go, I'll follow. Those are my three like favorite college football players of all time. So, um, but I, I've been tweeting about it for two years. If Chris Olave doesn't end up on the Patriots, then something went wrong because he was built to play for Bill Belichick. He's the perfect Bill Belichick wide receiver. Oh, I love it. I love it. And uh, Drew Chrisman, where is, uh, I'm not 100% sure where he is right now. Is he a free agent? He's a free agent. Uh, he got signed and then released quickly after the draft. So um, eventually, I think he'll probably end up playing in Canada or something and then try to make it back to the league. But I'll still follow him. He's, he's very good. He's a really good punter. He just doesn't have a huge leg. Hey, if he ends up signing here in Toronto, I'll, uh, I'll just tell him that uh, you said hi for him. How about that if I ever go to an Argonauts game? There you go. Appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, well, um, anyway, the other reason why you're here is because it's the return, folks. Oh, it feels good to say this, where I go through, where we're not just I, myself and my guest or guests go through each and every single NFL game, talk about it, predict the winner, maybe even throw it if the spread's going to happen, if the over-under is going to happen. And the first one, obviously, tomorrow night with our boy, Tom Brady, who just going to go off on a side note here. I have a buddy who's a Lions fan, but he's also a huge Michigan fan. And he does the exact same thing as you, but with the University of Michigan, where Lions depress him. So he follows around, like, you know, Taylor Juan, Tom Brady, obviously, other Michigan guys, et cetera, et cetera. He just does that. So just a side note. But we got Tampa. We got the return of Dak. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, not a tangent. I'm just going to go off on a whim, say that the Bucs are going to win. But part of me wants to think that this – I think it's eight or eight and a half. Part of me wants to say the Cowboys are going to cover, but at the same time, too, I just don't know. Yeah, so I think the Cowboys do cover. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to pull off the win. Just they're in Tampa unveiling the banner. Tom Brady's on the other side. But pretty much everything's stacked up against the Cowboys. And I don't think the Cowboys are necessarily a great team. I'm just not huge on Tampa just because they won the Super Bowl last year. That was a very mediocre team for about 15 weeks. And then they reeled off five straight wins or six straight wins, right? Um, they deserve the Super Bowl. They, they played phenomenally down the stretch. Brady was Brady, right? But that the team, just because they brought back all the guys who were on the Super Bowl winner doesn't mean they're going to go and win it again, uh, like a lot of people are predicting. So 
I think I think Dallas can probably cover that spread. Eight and a half is a lot in an opener football game. The the season opener is always close. Either that or the Patriots play the Steelers and blow their doors off. It's <laughs> one of those two things. So um I think I think Dallas keeps it close, but Tampa Bay, Brady, Banner, it, they they pull away. Yeah, I'm I'm the th- I'm thinking the same. I was always leaning towards it because like even I said last year too, um when it was the Giants on Monday Night Football and it was eleven and a half, I was like I was driving home and I'm just like working. I'm like, fuck, I should go bet it. I should bet it. Bet Giants to cover that 11 and a half point spread. I did it and they lost by two. So if they, they lost graciously, but no, I like, the one thing I want to say with Tampa is I don't like everybody who I, and this is mainly ESPN, which it's like a cancer. I have to stop watching these morning shows, but everyone's trying to say, Oh, Hey, they're going to go uh, 20 and oh, they're going to do this. I'm just like, People, we have to stop thinking that undefeated is going to happen. Just let it happen. I also would say this too. It's the same thing as saying that, yeah, this team's going to go 0-17. Like, just let the football games happen. Because, look, when the Patriots, I don't remember because obviously it was a long time ago and I was a lot younger and didn't follow the sport like I do now. But I don't think in 07 people were coming out and saying, yeah, you know, they're going to go 18-0 and lose in the Super Bowl to the Giants. No, just, just let the games happen. No one knew who Wes Welker was. No one knew who Dante Stallworth was back in 07. Like, stuff like that happens every year. With the ESPN stuff, it's all the talking heads. They know what they're doing. They get people riled up, and then people forget about it, and then they get them riled up, and then they forget about it. It's a, it's a vicious cycle. So uh, you, you're right. You should stop watching ESPN. Yeah, I, I, I honestly should. Like the football podcast I listen to, I listen to part of my take. I listen to Tailgate. Shout out former guest of the show, Austin Gale, and you guys every Friday when you guys come out. Those are the ones I listen to, but then for some reason I always see these ESPN clips and it's like, oh, Patriots, let's talk about, let's watch it. And I'm just like, I just wasted five minutes of my life. Why did I do that? Yep. <laughs> but oh, it's just one of those things where it just gets me riled up. You're right. Um, but no, with this game though, like I just can't see it happening where you bet against Brady. Like, and even to everyone makes the excuse where it's like, oh, hey, look, look, they're scheduled super easy. The way I look at the Tampa this year is kind of like how I look at like us for years. We know from experience, you know, every year where we're like, you know, we just win one, the duck boats were queued. And then the next year, Hey, we're going to be doing this again in February and it doesn't happen. So I'm not jumping to conclusions of back-to-back because we know how hard it is. And at the same time too, with the box, look, just let the football happen. But as tomorrow goes, look, I'm going to close. I'm not going to go with a close game, but I'm just going to go with it that Dallas is going to keep it closer than people think. And I'm also going to say this. I'm actually excited to see what the Dan Quinn defense looks like. Yeah, I mean, the, the Dallas defense last year was one of the worst defenses I've ever watched. It was terrible. And, and I watched a lot of Cowboys games last year just because they're always on national TV. That defense was so bad. And, I, and as much as we rag on Dan Quinn, the head coach, Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinators, a really good defensive coordinator. So – I'm excited to see them too. I think Micah Parsons is going to be really good for them. He's he's just so athletic. He's a ball hawk. Um, Trayvon Diggs in, in year two, like I think they're going to be a lot better this year. And like I said, I think they keep it close, but Tampa ends up, you know, pulling out the win. I'm 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 the exact same. Like it's just one of those things. Look, I'm not I'm not betting against TV twelve at a Super Bowl opener because the only time he lost really was when the Chiefs caught him off guard. But I doubt that happens tomorrow. Uh, moving on to Sunday, where the first game I see on my schedule here is the Eagles at the Falcons. And um, I'll be watching Red Zone at 1 o'clock, and this is a game I wouldn't be watching live on its own. But um, I, I, have to, I have a bone to pick because I feel like Eagles fans are falsely delusional. And I've seen Eagles fans saying that they're going to go 10-7 and 7 when I think like 5-12 and 12 probably, maybe 6-11. and 11. 
But in the end of the day with this one, I'm really excited for Kyle Pitts, not only for fantasy football, just to see how it transitions. And if Calvin Ridley can make that next leap and truly become an RB, R, I almost said RB, wide receiver one in this league. But with this one overall, I'm just going to say quickly, I'm going Falcons over Eagles. Yeah, I think the Eagles probably take it just because their defense is, is okay and the Falcons defense isn't very good um, from what I remember, of course. Um, so I'll just, I'll go opposite with you. I don't have much to say other than what you did. Pitts, very excited to see him at the NFL level. Ridley, I think he's going to make the, the leap and really lead that offense. Um, so I'll say, what's the spread on that? Do you have the spread? Yes, just get, let me get my phone. Uh, three points. Eagles or Falcons? Eagle, uh, Falcons. Falcons? I'll take the Eagles to cover. Oh, I like that. I like that. That is a... That, that, you know what? I like it too. Uh, moving on next, Jets, Panthers. Uh, I'm going to say this right now, and I said this earlier. Panthers are my... Not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to turn a lot of heads going forward long term. And I know this isn't saying much, but I think that Darnold has a career year. I know that's not saying a lot, but if you look at what he's going from, from Adam Gase to Joe Br- Dowell Loggins or yeah, Dowell Loggins, Adam Gase to Joe Brady, kind of a good upgrade. The only thing with them that concerns me is their offensive line shit. Yeah, uh, I think Carolina runs away with it. I think the Jets are going to be terrible this year. Zach Wilson, no matter how much the New York writers are going to talk about how great he's looked at practice, I do not see it. Um, week two against he's gonna suck. New England, they're, they're going to eat that kid's lunch. So I think Carolina runs away with it. Whatever the spread is, it could be 30. I'd, I'd take Carolina to cover. Five. Five. Oh, easy Carolina. Easy, easy Carolina. I see. I, I honestly think, too, this is going to be a good year, too, for guys like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I'm really excited to see Terrace Marshall. I think very, yep. very – very underrated uh, rookie receiver coming out, Terrace Marshall, too. And like I said, this Carolina defense, I think you're going to see another big leap from Jeremy Chin. And also, too, uh, Derek Brown, I want to see how he looks, and then Brian Burns as well. Yeah, Jer- Jeremy Chin's one of those guys where Patriots fans have talked a lot about Kyle Duggar. Jeremy Chin's very similar player. He, I mean, he was probably better statistic- statistically than Duggar last year, but another guy who's going to make a huge leap next year or this year. Um, I really, I really like that defense as well. Young, talented, versatile, everything I look for in defenses. Um, you, you said maybe not make the playoffs. I think they, they could sneak in Carolina. I think they're a, a dark horse to take the NFC South if, if everything goes wrong. Oh no, Tampa is in the NFC South. Never mind. Um, maybe take one of those wild card spots. Exactly, like if the odd even year for the Minnesota Vikings kind of goes to shit. Right. Yeah. Uh, moving on to another game, which I think could be the game of the weekend, potentially not the game of the weekend, but the game of the day and the LA chargers and the football team. Uh, you know, I'm going, cause chargers are my team this year where I said a team, if I had to pick a team to kick out and make the playoffs, I picked the chargers and I removed the Steelers. So I expect things, good things from this team. The only thing that kind of, I wonder how they're going to be is how it'll look going from like Anthony Lynn, Shane Steichen to Joel Lombardi. But at the same time too, with, Derwin James healthy, Joey Bosa, and also two man. I, I don't know why, but you know how you said like the big beefy boy thing with uh, Michael Owen, who big 10 offensive lineman, man, I'm excited to see Rashawn Slater go up against Chase Young on Sunday. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, I tweeted out the clip of Rashawn Slater stonewalling Chase Young back in college and PFF ended up tweeting it out. Um, and I got credit for it, which is pretty sweet. 
but um, that's that's going to be a really fun matchup. I think both these teams are going to be better than they were last year, and they're going to be better than most people think. They will. People are low on the Redskins for some reason, or excuse me, the football team for some reason. Red Wolves, I maybe. Think Red Wolves, whatever. I think I think they're going to be good this year. I think they're gonna they're going to be the team out of the NFC East. Um, not a believer in in the Cowboys at all. Um, so I I think Washington probably comes away with it just because they've got a veteran quarterback and, and the defense is so much better than Los Angeles's defense. But I think that's going to be a close game. I agree with you that it's a it's going to be a good one. It's literally a one point spread and it's a, the over under is at forty four and a half. So I'd probably lean towards the over in that game. But at the same time, too, with this game, I feel like it can go either way. I'm just going to go Chargers just because, well, for one, I have Herbert in fantasy, and and my, I'm in four leagues, so in a couple of them, I tried to keep the teams as similar as possible, so I got Justin Herbert. And at the same time, too, I feel like I believe more in the L.A. offense than I do the Washington offense, so that's my that's my only argument for that. That's all. Um, next one up, um, it's pretty simple, 49ers at Lions. Uh Niners, I, I mean, come on. I mean, I, I hope your boy does well. I hope your boy, your rookie wide receiver out of USC. Amon Ross St. Brown, he's a stud. Um, not a huge believer in Jared Goff as a quarterback, but Amon Ra is the man. Um, I think he would have been perfect in the Patriots offense, but he ended up in Detroit. His career is going to end before it starts. Uh, <sighs> Detroit's a, it's a wasteland. I've got, I've got San Francisco taking care of business easy. Seven and a half point spread. That's an easy cover, in my opinion. Um, but with San Francisco, I know they announced Jimmy as their starter today. But part of me honestly feels like they're waiting for the first chance for him to either screw up or, you know what, knock on wood if you were to get hurt again. And then it's just Lance from there. And then it's moving on. I feel like you have to do like, you know, the, the honorable leadership, that thing to do with Jimmy. Like he's been there, give him the start. But I feel like if he screws up or has a bad game, they're, they're yanking him out. Like he's getting you know, the, 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 the hook you see in the theater. I feel like it's just yeah. going to be that quick. Pull him off stage left. I, uh, yeah, pull him off stage left. It, it's tough for me with stuff like that because I always think I, I did it with the Patriots and the, the quarterback situation. I'm a big believer in sitting young quarterbacks, letting them wait. Um, and I thought the Patriots were going to do that, and they didn't. So I'm a believer in you have to wait until he actively loses you a game before you make the switch because it, it – you don't want it to be too early. It's better better too late, in my opinion, or not too late. It's better too late than too early, in my opinion, with the quarterback situation because you could ruin a guy's confidence and and swagger a little bit if you put him in too early and he's not ready and he gets you know gets killed um, during a game his rookie year. So I, I wouldn't want to put Lance in in too early. So I think. If I had to bet, they're going to wait until Garoppolo actively just is not the right quarterback for that team. So I think I think he plays for a while. I think he probably gets half the season before Lance comes in and takes over. Exactly. I'm, the, I'm got, the same. Oh, pardon me. I was just going to say I've got San Francisco covering again. They're going to kill Detroit. Oh yeah. The only th- my only concern with the San Francisco team is Nick Bosa. I know he's a monster. I know he's a great off Ohio State alumni. But I just want to see how he comes back because torn ACLs affect defensive linemen a lot differently than other position players. Just because you're on, you're bending down a lot more and stuff, and you're a lot of crouch. That's that's my only thing. I feel like I say this now, and he's gonna be a fucking animal. But at the same time, too, it's just like one of those, like you know, those like little thoughts you keep in the back of your head. That's like the thing that I have with him. That's all. Yeah, I can see it. I 
the the only thing that I'll counter with that with with an ACL surgery and stuff like that, you it usually when people first come back, it helps because when they go in to repair the knee, they clean everything out. So like all the cartilage and stuff that he's got built up and all over the place from high school and college, that all got cleaned out. So he's got like a brand new knee coming into the year. So it might actually be a good thing. You know what? I hope so for him, for his sake. I hope so. That's, that's all I, that's all I say. And now moving on to the team, we both love to hate the Buffalo bills taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I think we're going to go the same thing. Bills, the only question is six and a half points. Steelers cover, or is this a runaway game for the Bills? No, the Bills cover that. I I don't think the Steelers are going to be good this year. I like Najee. Hate that offensive line. I like TJ Watt. Hate the rest of the defense. Um, I think I think Pittsburgh stuns people with how bad they're going to be this year. Um, even though they started off the year like 9-0 and last year or whatever it was, something crazy. I, I don't think they're going to be good at all. 11 and 0. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be very good this year. So I got a uh, Buffalo covering easy. Buffalo is going to be, I mean, they're going to run away with the division in my opinion. So I've got Buffalo. I, I think the same two thing too. I know we don't face Buffalo until I think week 12 or week 13 in the season, but at the same time too thing, I I'm just, I'm taking the bills to win the division as well. But for this game, Pittsburgh, the fact that four of five offensive linemen are new is not something just to like brush over. I said, because I've said this with Baltimore after 2019 when Marshall Yonder retired, I said, that's going to be a bigger loss than people think. Man, Pouncey gone. Uh, Filer in LA now. Um, Alejandro Villanueva in Baltimore. I'm just trying to remember if it's David DeCastro still there. DeCast- I, think I think DeCastro left as well. I think DeCastro left. I don't know if he signed anywhere. Um, you have a new offensive coordinator in Matt Canada. Hopefully they, that's the other thing too. They barely ran the ball this year. So we'll see what happens with Najee, but, and you still have Chase and Juju acting like fools online. where like <laughs> trying to prioritize their off field stuff to on field where I'm just like, guys focus on field. I know they added Melvin Ingram, but you know what? I'm the same thing too. Pittsburgh's going to be one of those teams where I feel like they may take a game or two at the beginning of the year where it's like, hey, look, they actually look good. But then there's a couple of games where it's kind of like us last year where it's like, you know what? It's not exactly greener on the other side of the fence. Yeah, I, they they just scream 9 and 8, 10 and 7, like missing the playoffs, but win enough games to convince people that they were good. I, I don't see it. I don't think they're very good at all. Yeah, but I think, too, Mike, the whole Mike Tomlin thing is because I know Pittsburgh fans get really, like, eager when it comes to – like, they want him gone if they have a really bad year. He's one of those coaches, I feel like, if he were to get fired, he's getting snatched up almost immediately if he were to get let go. Like, it's one of those – he's one of those coaches where you'll fire your current coach to try to get him. Yeah, he's he's a very good coach. Uh, you don't You don't stay at the same place for that long without – being a good coach except for maybe Pittsburgh because they don't fire coaches they refuse to do it but he he is he is a good coach I he's going to be there for a long time and they'll eventually turn it around once they're able to hand the reins over to somebody other than Big Ben but a 39 year old Big Ben right now is not who I want leading my football team no neither do I and also to the fact that they've had three coaches since my dad was three years old is damn impressive if you ask me very impressive yes all right, next game on our docket, Seattle versus the Indianapolis Colts. Seattle at a two-and-a-half-point spread. You know what? I This might sound like a hot take, and I said this the other night in my NFC preview show. I think Seattle might be in the same thing as Pittsburgh, where peep, they're not as good as people think they're going to be. Yeah, the, 
the thing with Seattle, even if I don't think they're going to be good, I always like them early in the season because they're all like Russell Wilson is always the MVP through seven, eight weeks. And then he tails off like that. That's why he hasn't won one yet because he's been so good early on and then tails off and then turns it back on in time for the playoffs. Um, which I don't know if that's going to happen this year because the, the NFC West is stacked. All four of those teams are really good. But um, I, I think I like Seattle early on. I'm not a huge Carson Wentz believer. I don't even know if he's going to play in that game. But I think Seattle, they're, they're going to win a few games early on and then they'll tail off, tail off towards the end of the season. You know what? I'm going to go opposite just because I'm, I need to pull this out for you. But the Colts' first, like, eight weeks of the season is absolutely murderer's row where they have versus the Seahawks, versus the Rams, at the Titans, at the Dolphins, at the Ravens, versus the Texans, at the 49ers, versus the Titans. That's October, November. That is that's, There's, like, one game in there where you can be like, yeah, you're for sure winning it. But besides that, that is not an easy start to the season. Then after that, they obviously have the Jets and the Jags back-to-back. So it gets a little easier, but at the same time, I feel like you you just have to steal games at this point. Otherwise, because they're one of those teams, in my opinion, if they fall behind early, it's going to be really hard to catch up. Yeah, especially in a division with Tennessee, who's that they they feel like the most consistent team in the past few years where they're going to win 10 games. They're going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to win a playoff game like they've done it for three years. They've they've been consistently good, um, especially under Mike Frabel, who's one of the best head coaches in the NFL. So um I think they probably fall behind this year. I don't, I don't love the Colts this year. I, I do not love Carson Wentz as a quarterback. So I've got Seattle taking that one. I feel like with them too, they're going to be a lot of those like gritty 21 to 17 kind of games because of their defense alone. I think the Matt Eberflus defense is one of those things where he can kind of keep it afloat, but at the same time too, if Carson Wentz doesn't prove his worth, it's, it's not going to be looking pretty for his future. No, not at all. All right, up next, the Minnesota Vikings, Bengals. Uh, I'm saying Vikings, just the Bengals are one of those teams where, like, if I'm a Bengals fan, I am concerned. I am, like, I'm not saying that lightly. Like, you, you're concerned. Like, Jamar Chase has not looked good. Joe Burrow, like, looks scared at times. And the other thing I'll say, too, is, is, like, remember Brady's surgery in 08, where 09 he came back and he had an okay year, and then 20, uh, 20, yeah, 2010 is the season he lit it up, obviously, unanimous MVP. It wouldn't shock me if you saw the same thing from Burrow this year where he had, like, an okay year. The next year is, like, that year where he just, like, you know, has this good year in his third year. Yeah, I, everything I've heard of Burrow is he's tentative. Like, he's he's a step behind on everything just because he's thinking probably a little bit too much. Mike Brown, the owner of the Cincinnati Bengals, is the worst owner in sports in terms of a team level. Like, there are worse people, but that guy does not care whether his team wins or not. Jesse Bates is a great safety who's going to leave in the offseason because they're not going to pay him. Like, he just he just doesn't care about that team. So, I wouldn't be surprised if they they have another two, three-win season and just look terrible. It's a wasteland. Cincinnati might be the worst football situation in the world right now. They, they haven't been good in forever. So, it's been like seven years since they made the playoffs. Whoever they play this year, I'm going to take the beat them. I can't see them beating anybody straight up. So I've got Minnesota. Um, yeah, I got the same thing too. I think Minnesota does have a bounce back. It's just for me, the big thing is how their defense is. And also, man, Clint Kubiak has not looked impressive with his offense. He seems like he's running a very like your prototypical like cookie cutter NFL offense in the preseason. So he's got to learn to adapt. And hopefully Kirk Cousins plays somewhat average to, you know, get them to the next level. 
but we'll we'll wait and see. I mean, he's the epitome of average, right? Like he, yeah. he won't lose you games, he won't win you games. He's just Kirk Cousins and Clint Kubiak. He's it's like his dad gave him the playbook without all the secrets, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like just the base level play. I yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I think Minnesota can pull out wins just with the talent that they've got. Like Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen. That's a hell of a threesome. But other than that, you know, another average team. It's going to be a lot of average teams this year in the NFL. I feel the exact same way. And um, on to another clunker game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Houston Texans. But I'm, I'm going to surprise you here. I'm going Houston. I just I okay. think, you know why? I think, like, because look at last year with the Indy, Indy Jacksonville game. Remember, everyone's like, you know, Colts are going to win. Jacksonville's this bad team. And then this is that kind of game where I feel like the Houston Texans can kind of catch people off guard and then lose 14 of their next 15 games. Yeah, I've got Jacksonville. I, I think both those situations are kind of crummy. I, I don't like anything Jacksonville did in the offseason other than draft Trevor Lawrence. Like, I, I don't like Urban Meyer as an NFL head coach. I didn't like him as a college head, college head coach, even though he was successful. The, his hiring practices are terrible. He got a, it's, it's like an old boys club, that, that coaching staff of failed college head coaches. Um, I, I don't love what they're doing in Jacksonville, but I, I hate what they're doing in Houston even more. So I've got Jacksonville squeaking one out. Like I said, I'm just going Houston to be different. I, I'm thinking, you know what, just I'm taking a gamble here. Um, but with Jacksonville, too, the fact that, like, look, you hired Chris Doyle where it's not like, oh, he may have been accused. No, the fact that he was blatantly paid, been told to leave because of racist actions. Um, simple things like, um, I don't know, don't do an Oklahoma drill in the NFL in the middle of summer. Like, <laughs> that's, that's high school. Like, I don't even know. Yeah, that. you're right. Yeah. It's not even college. It's high school. Like, that's what I was doing in high school. It's, it's just everything's been a step behind or wrong throughout the whole offseason process for them. It's, it's been terrible. It really has been all, everything that they've done has been a red flag for the future. Like, Hey, maybe get your ducks in a row. Like you're going to have to figure something out, out sooner rather than later yeah exactly because my whole my my big thing with Meyer and Lawrence is more or the less Lawrence because obviously look golden boy has lost like the only games he lost in college were the national championship and the national semifinal but my big thing with him is how is he going to handle winning four or five games or maybe even six like how are you going to do with that how's urban going to handle that um, how is it going to be when your ownership has a better wrestling product shout out AEW, than football team. Like, it's just those little things that really entice me. How are you going to handle, you know, not playing in front of a packed house? How are you going to handle, like, it's all these, like, things of where Trevor Lawrence is going to have that true welcome to the NFL moment where it just, it, it's not like a knock on the door. No, it's a punch in the face. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think a lot of the, does he love football, that crap that came out before the draft, I think it's, it was all, it was exactly that. It was just garbage that people were making up, but there is an aspect to it where if you're losing and you've never lost before and you're getting put on your ass because your offensive line can't block for you. And it feels like going to work every day, not going to play a game that can weigh on people and not, not weigh on him enough to where he's like, Oh, I can't do it. I, I'm going to retire. I'm, I'm out, but weigh on him where he's not going to be, 
he's not going to put in the effort that you need to put in as an NFL quarterback. And that's getting ahead of myself a little bit, but it's the truth, right? Who, who knows where his mind is going to be at five, six weeks into the season. I, I agree with you on that. I just think Houston, it's a dumpster fire out there. They're, it's the 2017 Patriots practice squad is, is the Houston Texans. You know, um, two for, well, at the time, two-for-one drafts, those guys, they said it perfectly where it was like they basically signed everyone who bait probably would not get an NFL contract anywhere else. No, no, no. Sorry, Rex Burkhead, Danny and Mandola, but like I, for a lot of those guys, it's you if, if you didn't sign in Houston, you weren't signing anywhere else. Yeah, and, and I'm not I'm not coming at them in an aspect where it's a bad way to build your program. I think it's a good start. Whether Jack Easterby's there or not, Nick Asario is doing a good job of getting people like human beings that he knows and trusts into his program that can help other guys along, like a Rex Burkhead or a Danny Amendola. But the on-field product isn't going to be pretty for the first few years, especially like like talent-wise. That's not really how you build a contender, and I don't think that's what they're trying to do. But I'm not going to call it like I think they're going to win games because I like how they're building their their program. I, I don't think they're going to win very many games. It's it's going to be ugly to start. So Houston loses easily. And y'all know how I feel. But um, I know you like Big Ten football, but do you like Big 12 football, by the way? I hate Big 12 football. I think it's mm-hmm. the worst kind of football. It's just offense and no defense. It's the worst. You're going to hate this next matchup because the Tennessee Titans host the Arizona Cardinals in what should be an over fest. I like to call the Dallas Cowboys last year a Big 12 football team because I, they were exactly that. All offense, no defense. And my take with the Titans this year, it's going to be the similar thing where they're off- – I know the offense, I think Ryan Tannehill is not going to be this like amazing quarterback just because Todd Downing's last time in the NFL was awful with the Raiders in 2017. I remember, uh, I think it was Lane, no, it wasn't Lane Kiffin. It was someone, I'm trying to remember who was there running their offense in 2016 when Derek Carr would have won MVP, I think, if he didn't break his leg. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but basically I'm just, that was when that was your last moment in the NFL as a, uh, offensive coordinator and you've been a tight ends coach, it's going to be interesting to see. But at the same time, too, when you have Derrick Henry, when you have A.J. Brown, when you have Julio Jones, you have a pretty pretty all right offensive line. I know Taylor LeJuan coming back from injury and everything like that. I just – I'm going Titans with this one. But at the same time, too, you know what? This is going to be a shootout. This is going to be a straight-up shootout. Yeah, absolutely. I've got Titans, too. There, there's not really much to say other than what you did. There's just too much firepower for Tennessee for even – to, to even mess it up, it's just there's too much, too much talent on the offensive side of the ball. So Tennessee, I think they squeak one out. I think it's going to be a close one. If I had to put a score on it, I'm going to say 35 to 31. Love it. Yeah, you know, just like that, like the classic game like that, because Kyler Murray can do his thing, but at the same time, too, I feel like both defenses are going to struggle a bit. And also, too, I say this: I there is no seat hotter in the NFL right now than Cliff Kingsbury, and also too. Your boy, Steve Kime, I think finally a lot of people are starting to say it should or get off the pot. I told him well, it was a couple months ago, right? Like yeah. all he does is find old guys. That's what that's what he does. Oh, you were good three years ago? Come play for the Cardinals. It's they're never gonna win that way. They finally moved on from Larry Fitzgerald, who's a bona fide Hall of Famer, one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. He hasn't produced in a couple of years, and I, I thought they were gonna just sign him until he decided to retire, which I, I believe he's on the track to retiring because he said even if a team asked him to come to training camp he probably would have said no this year 
But Steve Kime, I don't think he's a great GM. He's He builds teams that can contend but not win football games. Um, and I think that trend continues. I do, however, really like their front seven. I think I think the defense is going to be a lot better than it was last year. Just the, the secondary is probably not going to be good enough. They're, I don't think their corners can keep up with Julio and AJ. Yeah, same. Like my like my big thing with the front seven is is well, for one, JJ Watt. I'm not expecting him to be you know three time defensive player of the year. JJ Watt, go in there. You know what? Disrupt when you can. Just do your job. You'll be fine. My big thing with them is if Isaiah Simmons makes that second year leap where he kind of starts to bonify himself as one of the better middle line, not middle, but one of the better linebackers in the game. And they also got, I think Dennis Gradnick, I think is the guy's name. I'm excited to see how he looks this year. So obviously he got hurt last year, got off to a bit of a good start. And I also say this too with Arizona. If you remember last year, the infamous Arizona Buffalo game, ever since that game, they went downhill. Like I say this too, they should not have lost last year in Foxborough. No, they shouldn't have. They, they were definitely a better team than the Patriots were last year. And with the front seven on their – like Jordan Hicks is one of the most underrated linebackers in the NFL. Chandler Jones, whether he wants a contract or not, he's going to play. He's going to play well. Um, so uh, the defense is going to hold up a little bit, but the, if you can't hold up on the back end, then it doesn't matter what you can do up front, right? You, you've got to be able to cover guys for at least a few seconds to let the pass rush get there. I don't think they're going to be able to do it especially when you're going to have to load the box against Derrick Henry, and then they're just going to pop stuff over over the top for 10, 15 yards every time. Bob Downing, if you're listening to this, run a lot of play action on Sunday. Correct. <laughs> All right, the first 4 o'clock game on the docket. Um, ooh, happens to be us, 425, which I'm not a fan. I, like, I say I'm not a fan of. It kind of surprised me. Uh, for those of you watching at home, it'll be Kevin, I believe Kevin Harlan and Trent Green on the call, which – I don't, I don't like listening to Kevin Harlan. Love Kevin Harlan. Some people don't like him. I don't know why. I I personally love him. He's got one of the best voices in the thing in the league. He's the best in yeah. basketball and football. He he's one of the best. He always has a special place in my heart because he called the uh, Kawhi shot for um, in the Raptors 2019 playoff run. <sighs> I'm obviously going with us, but you know what? I think that. Part of me wants to say this is going to be a high-scoring game, but part of me wants to be like, look, remember last year, like both games against Miami were low-scoring. Like, I think it was like 21 to 11 last year was the opener game. Like, I could see something similar to that happening or a game where, you know, both teams kind of like maybe score in the 20s because that's what I feel like a lot of the time it is with Miami and New England or occasionally if they're really bad, we beat them 43 to nothing. Yeah, and it was 22-12 in the second meeting, 21 21, 10, 21, 11, 12, something like that in the first. Um, I think the Patriots pull it out. They're, they're a better football team, I think, talent-wise. The, the amount of talent they had in the offseason, we've all talked about it. Um, they're definitely better than they were last season. I don't think Miami upgraded what they needed to. Like, the secondary is still pretty good. They added Jason McCourty. That linebacking core isn't very good. They're their defensive line's got a couple of good players, but they're both interior guys. So the Patriots can be able to run their toss crack, their their zone, their uh, zone read, their their counter stuff, like everything that they like to run on the ground, they're going to be able to do. And the receivers are going to be able to do enough. The tight ends are going to match up well enough to score some points. Um, I think I predicted 27 to 17 uh, in the last show I did. So I'm going to stick with that. Patriots put up a few points. I think the defense puts up some points. Um, and they really control the clock. The Patriots are going to kill the clock on the ground. And 
probably run away with it. It's going to feel close the first half, and then they're going to kind of pull away. It's going to be a whimper of a second half. 27-17 pass. I'm going to go with a different score. I'm going to say 23-16, to 16 actually, for the Patriots. You know what? Like I feel like it's going to be a lot of those things where Miami gets close, but then that third down defense comes in and plays big. Uh, one player I'm very excited to see on Sunday is Matthew Judon because Miami's O-line, that's the other thing, too. Like they, I know they got Liam Eikenberg, but he came up on the injury report today. Austin Jackson has not looked good in the preseason. So we'll see what happens, but I think Matthew Judon is going to eat on Sunday afternoon. I can't wait. The Patriots better hope that Austin Jackson gets – uh, like clears from COVID and plays because Josh oh, I Uche, about that. yeah, Josh Uche is gonna eat him alive. I've talked about. I love Matt Judon. I think Dante Hightower is just Dante Hightower. He'll always be that guy. Josh Uche is gonna make a leap this year where people are gonna seriously talk about him as one of the best pass rushers in the league. He he's fast enough to beat any offensive lineman off the ball, especially a guy like. Austin Jackson, who the reason he was so unsuccessful in his rookie year is because he was so slow. Like, a, a, I'm like getting it's going to be a bloodbath. So, that just that alone, the paid Bill Belichick versus a young quarterback, they have no running game. I think the Patriots take care of business. Same, same. I'm the same way. You know what? We start the season off strong. Obviously, we could talk all about next week, what we think is going to happen. But you know what? Let's just focus on this week, focus on the Miami Dolphins. And I think we get the win. You know what? It's plain and simple like that. Just we come out here and we kind of show people, look, 2020 was just a blip. It was an aberration. Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right. The next game on here, good Lord, I don't even want to talk about this game. The Denver Broncos taking on the New York Giants, which – like this game, just oh, I, like I—it's the same thing as the one I said earlier, the Philly Atlanta game. Where I'm just like, if I was free, Patriots weren't on, would I be watching this one? Probably not. Probably will come up on red zone maybe a handful of times. But I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos just because I don't really know what to expect of the New York Giants yet. I feel like they have to kind of work and prove themselves. And Denver, if that New York offensive line plays bad and this Denver D line and Von Miller is 100% ready to go. It's going to be a long day for Daniel Jones. The Denver defense is good enough to beat anybody. The Giants defense is good enough to lose or bad enough to lose to anybody. So I've got Denver. I think it's going to be a horrible game. I think it's going to be sloppy turnovers, just not well played at all. So I've got Denver pulling it out. I don't think Saquon's going to play. So there's really no reason to watch the game. because There's yeah. no <laughs> firepower. Um, I guess Jerry Judy, if you want to watch him, but um yeah, I've got Denver taking it home. Yeah, and my only thing I want to say about the Denver Broncos is everyone keeps saying that, like, they're a sleeper team to watch out for to make the playoffs. I, I just don't see it yet. I feel like, look, unless Teddy Bridgewater plays lights out, he can. But, and I'll say this too, Fick Fangio, great defensive mind. You need an offensive head coach in that system. Yeah, I agree. That's what the defense is so good that they don't need a defensive-minded head coach, and the offense is bad enough to where you, you would want a guy who can focus on that. I really don't have a ton to say about either one of these teams. I don't think either one of them are going to be very good this year. No, no, no. My whole thing with the New York Giants is, is look, if shit doesn't work out, you have two first-round draft picks next year. Yep. Pa- Packer for Saints. The yes, exactly. Packer Saints from Jacksonville. Um this one, unfortunately, is in Jacksonville because of the hurricane down in New Orleans. I want to go Packers, but you know what? I, 
I think the Saints find a way to pull this out. I think the Saints find a way to get the win here because I I'll say this again too. The, the last dancing they said it's either going to look good or they're going to look silly. There's no in between, and we all know what the look good is, and we all know what the I think anything but a Super Bowl it's failed season for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I I think Aaron Rodgers is going to light it up this season. I, I'm Ooh. I'm very interested to see and in how that shakes out, and I think it's going to. I think all of this is going to end up being a good thing for Green Bay just because he's going to play pissed off. He's not He's not going to be the quarterback next year. I don't think anybody thinks he is. Um, last dance comes in. I think he's gunning for MVP Super Bowl type year. I've got a take later on about that, but I think he's going to be very good this year. I think they kill the Saints. I think this is going to be a statement game for them. Like Aaron Jones, Devontae Parker, or Devontae Adams, Devontae Parker, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, they're going to show out. Very, very excited to watch them play this week. I think they're going to kill the Saints. I, I can only see that just because, look, for Green Bay, it's a standard road game. The only difference is, look, you're not going into the Superdome. You're going into Jacksonville. Who knows how many fans are actually going to be at this game. I, I'm just going for the Saints because I feel like, look, it's one of those, like, the whole, you know, feel-good story things where – Look, they got misplaced, but at the same time, too, I can see this game going either way. I'm just taking the Saints just for, like, the whole, like, you know, the pity of it. Like, that, that, that's all. But we do have to say real quick. I was just going to say real quick. I okay, like Jameis. I think he's going to play well this year. I think he's going to prove that he should be their starter moving forward. But the team around him is just not good enough to, to compete with the firepower that, that Green Bay has. That's an NFC championship team last year who probably should have won the NFC championship if their coach wasn't a doofus. So, Yeah, like because that's the one thing last year. I know we said it earlier, where you said it earlier, actually, where Tampa ran away with like ran away with it down the stretch. But people, you got to remember, Brady struggled in the NFC championship game. That's any other defense. Or if, you know what, Aaron Rodgers had someone not named Devontae Adams to throw at, they win that football game. Yep, absolutely. And the last game of the 425 docket, which I know I said earlier, L.A. versus uh, Washington could be the game of the weekend, but I truly believe this one will be. And I'm a little upset I have to miss it, but the Cleveland Browns going back to Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs are a six-point spread favorite. I want to go go Browns, but I'm not. I'm going to go Browns to cover, but Chiefs to win. Got the same exact thing. I've I actually have the Browns in the Super Bowl this year. I think I think we all know how talented they are. They're going into year four with Baker. Like it's time to, like you said earlier, shit or get off the pot, right? Like yeah. Now is the time. Do you want to be the the future of this franchise? Do you want to take us into the next step, or are we going to have to make a replacement? I think he's going to play well this year. They're, they're just too talented, and Kevin Stefanski is a great head coach to not make a run in the playoffs. I think they're going to be able to get over the hump of Kansas City later on in the season because Kansas City's played so many games over the past two years, and they're playing such a tough schedule, but not this early in the season. I think Kansas City barely scrapes by. Um, but Cleveland is my AFC team in the Super Bowl. We'll talk about my NFC team later. Sounds good. With me with the Kansas City Chiefs, too, I think I said this to you and I said this to other people, Andy Reid only goes to the Super Bowl in Florida. He only goes in Florida. Super Bowl's in California this year. Yeah. Jacksonville, Miami, and Tampa. Um, But, no, I think eventually, like, everyone – I think Kansas City's one of those things, though, where it's like you can say, hey, they may not make it to the AFC Championship game, but I – they'll be there. I think their absolute worst case is they lose in the divisional, but 
there's like the AFC is not exactly a cakewalk. You have for the seven teams that can make it, I have nine that I could see making the playoffs this year. Right. Yeah. So with that, they're going to get caught off guard. And also too, for you spread vote, you spread players out there. They went seven and nine against the spread last year. They had the, yeah, they, they, they barely pulled out wins. Is what I was going to say. They like, they, they were able to overcome scares against Vegas and, the Chargers and, and Justin Herbert's first start, they should have lost that game. They won. They should have lost to the Patriots without Cam Newton when Brian Hoyer was playing quarterback. That that game was way too close midway through the third quarter, like way closer than it should have been. So um, I think the like the amount of football they've played and their, their first play schedule and the lack of weapons other than Kelsey and um, Hill around Mahomes, I think it's going to catch up to them eventually. I think they're going to slip up in the playoffs. They're still going to be one of the best teams in the league. They're still going to look like a, a juggernaut, but it's going to catch up to them eventually. Exactly, because I'm looking at their schedule before – because they have a late bye this year, which is week 12. But their first their – their September and October is the Browns, the Ravens, the Chargers, the Eagles, the Bills, the football team, and the Titans. That's not easy. Yeah. That is – the Eagles, yes. But even last year, too, with the um, spread thing. They almost lost to the Carolina Panthers, and if it weren't for a young way who missed field goal, the Atlanta Falcons beat them late in right. the season. And also Vegas, too, was on Sunday Night Football. The Vegas, For some reason, Paul Gunther, awful defensive coordinator, decided to rush four against Patrick Mahomes. And I'm like, if you do that, you're, you're I don't know if you watch South Park or not, but you're going to have a bad time <laughs> if you, yeah, if you watch it. Uh, I get the reference. I, okay, um, good, good. Yeah, I just they've played too much. They've done too much in the past few seasons where it's I don't see how they can continue on this path. Like the few teams have ever done it where they've been in the Super Bowl three straight years. I think the Patriots did it uh for or maybe the whatever. It's too it's too late to go through that. But the Patriots said that's just, all that matters. Yeah, it it just doesn't happen, right? It doesn't happen actively. Like, it, it's it's not a thing. So, I think it catches up to them. They lose. I've said it, like, ten times. But I've got them barely beating Cleveland this week. I'm going to go 27 to 24. I'll say 31 to 30. Uh, none of our scores hit the over at 54 and a half. I take, I'm going to take the under in this game, if I'm being honest. Um. Yeah, both defenses are a lot better than they were a year ago. So I, I like that as well. Exactly. And, um, you know, earlier we talked about the Trey Lance thing where you don't want to move him, bring him in too early to make mistakes. Um, I yep. have a take about this game, which is the Bears and the Rams, which I, I would have put Browns and Chiefs in this spot. I don't – I Rams, Bears for me, like, I don't know. And at the same time, too, for those of people, with all the Bears fans going, we need to start Justin Fields. I keep saying this. You really want Justin Fields' first start to be running away from Aaron Donald? You really nope. want that to be his first ever NFL game? No. No, the, I, the Bears have actively told everybody they're going to wait until Andy Dalton, like, is the worst quarterback in the league before they play Justin Fields. They don't want to play him yet, which I agree with. Don't, don't kill the rookie early on in his career. Give him some time to learn. So. They're doing that. And this game, I told you my AFC Super Bowl team, I've got the Rams in the Super Bowl in the NFC. It, they're the most talented team in the NFL, top to bottom, with the amount of 
stars that they have on their team, right? Like Matt Stafford, say what you want about him. He was stuck in Detroit. I think he's going to explode with newfound love for football and, and ability with the weapons he has around him. Um, I have him winning the MVP this year. And then Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, Sony Michelle, the new running back. Like the offense is loaded. The offensive line is always good. Their defense, all you have to say about their defense is Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. That's good enough for me. Um, so I've got the Rams killing the the uh, Bears this week. Just, just based off the fact that Andy Dalton's going to be the quarterback for the Bears and Aaron Donald's going to eat him. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's a seven-and-a-half-point spread. It's the Bears are just – they're – their offensive line is bad. They don't have that good of a secondary. Like they just like Kyle, they cut Kyle Fuller. I don't know how you cut Kyle Fuller. And I feel like with bears fans too, a lot of them have like false confidence where it's like, they're saying that they're making, it's like Rams hate week. I've seen on like TikTok and stuff and like Twitter where it's like, Hey, you know what? Um, we beat them 15 to six, two years ago on Sunday night football in yeah. Chicago. That's why the games haven't been in Chicago last year. They got their asses kicked on Monday night football. Um, Matt Nagy, like, look, they're going to use Justin Fields as an excuse to keep their job, him in pace. But here's the thing, too. I didn't learn this until part of my take on Monday. Big Cat said this. Ryan Pace has had five quarterbacks under center in his tenure with the Bears. Five. Mike Glennon, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields. How many GMs get five quarterbacks? Like, come yeah. on. like, but All guys that they wanted to start, too. These aren't just, like, oh, injuries, stuff like that. Like These, these were his hand-picked quarterbacks. And they've all been terrible. And also, well, so 20, yeah, well, 2017, same thing. You sign Mike Glennon for an absorbent amount of money. You draft Mitch Trubisky. Sign Andy Dalton, draft Justin Fields. Like, you've got to make your mind up on what you're going to do. And even Nick Foles just buried there making stupid money because of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But no, well, I just – You've got to – sorry, I was just going to say real quick. You've got to hit on Fields if you're Ryan Pace. Because if he doesn't, that's it. He's He's gone. No, 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 100%. If Justin Fields doesn't turn out to be a good NFL quarterback, he's gone. My, um, the only thing I'm going to say of Fields is I think his first chance to start will be week four against the Lions. You give Dalton, you know, the sympathy start against the Bengals next week, and I think it's the Browns after that, which Miles Garrett's coming after you. So in Andy Dalton's right. first three weeks, you have Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett running after you. The two scariest – or two of the three scariest human beings in the NFL. Like, you don't realize it because, obviously, football jerseys. But in the offseason, he was playing basketball. That man's arms are no joke. He's huge. They're, they're just huge, huge arms. Uh, but, you know, I, I have the same thing, too. It's seven-and-a-half-point spread. I think uh, Rams cover it easily. I'm going to say 31-10 to 10 is the final score here. It's just – it's a good day. And Matt Stafford's really going to put his name out there where I'm going to love all the casuals who go, hey, where's this guy been? And it's just like, yeah, he's been in the wasteland of the NFL when all his NFL fans all along knew – or we'll call us nerds. You know what? Because we follow the sport year round. We know all the numbers, analytics, all the PFF stuff. Because I, I like pro football focus. You basically know. Look, you know how long, how good this guy truly is. We knew it. Now it's he it's was like, going for five thousand yards to. Like I, I can't. I literally can't even name some of the receivers that he was thrown to in Detroit. He's he's very good. People people have just overlooked him because he was in Detroit. I th I think it's a huge huge year for him coming up i have a quick question for you though um because i got into some flack on twitter on this when he got traded 
if he were to retire right now, is he a Hall of Famer? No, because I don't think he's won a playoff game yet. No, he hasn't. I know he hasn't. So yeah. get him to win a couple of playoff games, maybe an award, and, and he's a Hall of Famer. St- statistics, if you put him up against other guys, like I think he's top 10 passing yards all time. Probably should be a Hall of Famer based off that. Some of the guys that are – like Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame just because he won a Super Bowl. Troy Aikman was never a great, great quarterback. Like, you know, some guys that are in that probably shouldn't be. If I'm, I'm a Hall of Fame guy where if you're not one of the 10 greatest at your position, you probably shouldn't be in. But uh, I, I think he'll end up getting in eventually. If he retires today. I only ask that because I, my whole stance on him right now is that, look, he's kind of like – knocking on that door but if like you said he has a great season he wins an mvp gets a couple of playoff wins then yeah he cements his case to win it's like eli manning eli manning's getting in because he's got those two chips absolutely whether he should or not that's a different story but he'll get in yeah exactly that's 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 just one thing i want to say about matt matt stafford i almost said matt slater for a second and then last but not least uh uh ravens raiders which i ravens it's an easy one but i'll say this too John Gruden does not get fired. Mike Mayock gets fired at the end of the season. I agree with both the things you said. Yeah, like, there's no way to candy coat it. Because, like, if we look at Mayock's draft record, and I think it was you or someone else who said this, as I think I was like, yeah, if he gets fired, he can go back to the NFL Network. It's like, no, he's not a draft analyst anymore. Like, he he sewered his reputation of that by taking chances on guys from big schools. Like, Cleveland Farrell's not even on the starting lineup anymore. That was That was my, like – I don't know how I realized it. I think I was just looking at their draft listing. He just drafts guys from Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama. That's all he does. This year he changed it up, but he also drafted Alex Leatherwood, who was maybe a top five tackle, maybe 17th overall. If you if you do that, you deserve to I, – I won't say you deserve to lose your job, but you deserve whatever flack you get for doing that because that's a situation where you very clearly – probably knew that you shouldn't draft a guy like that but you were like oh Alabama he's got to be good and I don't know if Alex Leatherwood is ever going to be good enough to be a starting left tackle in the NFL no neither do I and like my whole thing with that is is if I feel like they draft Morrig at 17 and Leatherwood at like I think 42 it's, right. it looks fine but the fact that you did it where you did it it doesn't look good because if Leatherwood looks bad it just doesn't look good on you my only gl- and also my other hot take with the Raiders is that Derek Carr is not their quarterback for 2022. That's my, that's my other take. I think he ends up somewhere else. Yeah, I think he does as well. I, I don't know what the situation is, but. Yeah, it's all good. I lost, I lost your audio there for a second as you were taking off your AirPods. So just a quick heads up. They died. Sorry. That's all good. Um, I, I was just going to say, I don't know if it's a situation where he's not good enough for them or they're not good enough for him. He might end up in a better situation because of it. He's a starter. I like Derek Carr. I, I think he's a good quarterback, but I don't think the fit's right anymore with, with him in Las Vegas. I think Gruden has, like, I say this, like, Gruden's like a quarterback robot where, like, he, like, wants his quarterbacks to play a certain way, gets them wired a certain way, and he's finally got Derek Carr there. But I feel like this year it's just going to be like, you know what, nah, Derek, it's been nice knowing you, but, like, he can go on and maybe play somewhere where, you know what, he's going to be properly recognized. He's going to do something there. And then if they have the chance to draft a top quarterback, because I know this year's draft is – it is what it is, but – 
for those of you who don't pay attention to the group of five schools, there's a really good kid in Nevada that's that could come in and replace him. I'm just saying, throwing that out there. Yeah, he doesn't have to move very far, you know. He's right down the road in Reno. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for those of you wondering, it's Carson Strong. That's the other thing, too. I know this year's quarterback class is great, but for those of you who are your casual college fans, this year's class coming out, there's a lot of guys who are not well-known right now but will be, I think, by the time the draft happens. Yeah. And what was the other thing I was going to say about the Power 5 schools? Oh, yes. Um, I know it's there's a quarterback's probably going to go one next year, but I think the best player, the two best players from next year's draft are going to be Thibodeau and Stingley. I absolutely agree. Yeah. Okay. I just hate the fact when Jets fans already say, yeah, like, oh, Kayvon Thibodeau in a Jets uniform. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want that. Like, you, they, you should go get Stingley. You guys have one of the worst secondaries in football. Yeah, I think I, th- I don't think the Jets are going to be bad enough to get, like, a top pick for Thibodeau. Thibodeau's good enough to be Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, number one pick as, a, as an edge rusher. If, you, if you're in the four or five range, Derek Stingley's going to be a steal. Like, he's going to be one of those guys where, you know – who was drafted around that spot. I don't want to say Jamal Adams because I don't think Jamal Adams is very good, but a guy like that where teams are going to think they're getting a steal at, at five or six with a Derek Stingley type. Yeah, exactly. Like Jamal Adams, I say this too, I hate the contract for the Seahawks that they just signed him to. Because that's the other thing too. On I don't know what the Russell Wilson situation is going to be for 2022. We'll wait and see. But, man, Seattle's like one of those teams where I feel like it's been downhill. Like they have not made it back to an NFC, let alone an NFC championship game, let alone, let, let, excuse me. They haven't made it back to the Super Bowl, but let alone the NFC championship game after what happened in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it's been downhill since. Uh, 100%. But anyway, you know what? Now we're about 20, we're, uh, we're about 22 and a half hours now to kick off. So folks enjoy kickoff tomorrow. Keegan, man, I'm going to have you back at some point during the season. Hopefully we're not playing because I remember always remember this. The first time Pat Lane, one of the first times I ever had a Pat's Pulpit guy on here, we had to play therapist for one another after the loss of the Denver Broncos. So hopefully I have you on on a victory Monday or, you know what, even another midweek predictions and we kind of get to like soak in all the glory. But anyway, folks, it's been another great episode of YWC Football Talk. Keegan, it's been a blast getting to talk to you once again. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. Anytime. Well, anyway, folks, enjoy week one of the NFL season. And I'll see you guys down the road. You know what? I, I may I may do something after the Pats game. Who knows? But anyway, guys, I'll talk to you later. Have a good one. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.